0: If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 1-1, Mark 15:34, and Isaiah 40:31. And if I said that too fast, it's going to be on the screen. It's in the app if you want to scan the QR code and follow along. We're in this series, The Names of God. We've talked about Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Kadesh, Adonai. And today I want to talk about Elohim. Elohim. And if you're following along, thanks for being here this morning, worshiping with us. Those joining us online and those in kindred here in a little bit, we're worshiping together, just different places. I wanna talk about the origin of strength in Genesis 1-1. This is what Genesis 1-1 says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim. A name that means strength and power, signifying the the supreme power and sovereignty. Who God is in relation to strength. His strength and our strength is where I wanna go this morning. God created the entire universe out of absolutely nothing. But before there was time, there was Elohim, the self-existing one. And Genesis 1-1 sets time into motion, and the opening verse of the Bible, the very first verse of the Bible, reveals to us not only this, this beautiful canvas painting of creation, but just as important, the artist who painted it. Elohim, the God of strength and power. In the beginning, God created the Whirlpool Galaxy, the darling of astronomy, if you're into that at all. To plan a trip to the Whirlpool Galaxy, you need to plan on traveling 186,000 miles per second. And you know those trips where you're like, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet? Well, this would only take you 31 million years to get there. He is Elohim the God of power and strength. Let me give you just a couple quick examples. If the earth were the size of a golf ball, so imagine that, a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. 960,000 earths would fit inside of the sun. Betelgeuse is another star that God created, Elohim. It's kind of big. If the earth were a golf ball, the sun was 15 feet in diameter. Betelgeuse would be the height of six empire state buildings, one on top of another. 262 trillion earths would fit inside of Betelgeuse. It'd be like filling a superdome with golf balls 3,000 times. He is Elohim the God who created the heavens and the earth. The largest star known to mankind goes by the name Canis Majoris. Now, filling the Superdome with golf balls 3,000 times, I don't know about you, but that's really, really impressive, but about filling the state of Texas with golf balls 22 inches deep. That's how many earths would fit into Canis Majoris. He is Elohim, the God of power, the God of strength. I love A.W. Tozer when he says this, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. The Bible begins with raising of the curtain, displaying before our very eyes this empty stage. Before there was anything, there was nothing. With no one to impress, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, the entire universe, for no other reason than bring glory to himself. Our view of God is, and how he interacts with his creation, is decided in the first 10 words of the Bible. He is Elohim, the God of power and strength. Friends, let us not forget that we who are a child of God, if that is you, have a Father in heaven who is the God of all power and strength. He is the origin of strength. Jesus provides for us a perfect example. Jesus provides for us a perfect example of looking to his Father for strength. A request for strength is found in Mark 15, 34. It says this. In at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus' death by crucifixion was the worst death anybody could have endured. Despite the pain and despite the the agony of the cross, Jesus chose to die for the sin of the world because he loves us. And the reason I look to the cross for a deeper understanding of Elohim is because there is nothing in our life that Jesus cannot relate to. Jesus knew the struggle of temptation Jesus knew poverty, Jesus knew frustration, he knew weariness and disappointment and rejection, he knew sorrow and ridicule, he knew loneliness. Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, on the cross. It was a fulfillment of Psalm 22.1 that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, God? So far from my cries of anguish? Jesus was crying out to his own father. And through his pain and anguish, Jesus himself cries out to the father, Elohim, the God of all power and strength, where are you? He would have felt forsaken by his disciples and by his own father. He was left all alone on the cross. When Jesus came to this earth, he felt for the first time what we might call separation from his own father, not separation by by distance, but by divine privileges. At the cross, his separation from the father became immeasurably more profound than the humbling 33 years incarnation of his earthly life. The mystery of that separation, that agony of that separation is far too deep for even the most brilliant mind to comprehend what he was going through. Jesus knew what he was doing when he died on the cross. Yet we can only imagine the pain that he must have felt. Jesus took on him all of the sins of the world and he died the most gruesome death known to mankind on the cross. It's hard to decipher what Jesus means when he says he has been forsaken. What we do know is pain and agony and abandonment would have pierced through Jesus' heart and his mind. Anyone would feel forsaken as they hung on the cross with no help in sight. Even though Jesus knew the Father absolutely loved him unconditionally, he could not help but feel the pain of death and agony and abandonment by his own Father. And so he cried out, Elohim! as his only source for divine help, which for all of those who were present there would have expected. In attempt at their cruelty and cynical mockery, they said, look, look, Jesus is crying for Elijah. The point is not whether Elohim responded to Jesus' request or not, because he didn't. Had he, there'd be no hope for mankind. Jesus had to suffer and die. First Peter reminds us that it is because of his wounds that we have been healed. The point of me bringing up the scene of the cross is Jesus revealed to us the ultimate source of power and strength, Elohim, as he cried out, Eli, Eli, in a short amount of time, I have gone from the origin of strength Elohim, to the request of strength, from Jesus himself to Elohim. And now I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about the promise of strength for us. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. There is a story told of a group of soldiers who had been overseas for many years engaged in this continual battle and conflict. And a four-star general was testifying in front of Congress when a senator asked, how are the troops doing? And he responded by saying, sir, our, our troops are tired. We never expected the war to go on this long. Now they're dealing with battle fatigue. If not yesterday, if not today, one day, friends, you will experience battle fatigue in this life. And it's not a matter of if, but when. Yesterday, um, I watched soccer on TV for the very first time in my life. Um, I don't know if it's because there really, it wasn't anything else on or what it was, but I, the soccer game was on and so I got a little bit intrigued. I have no idea what's going on. I, I kinda liked uh, what one person said, you know, if you take away offsides and throw another ball in there, it'd be really interesting. But I watched soccer in, in, in about 30 minutes, but I left, it was one to one, and I left and went into the kitchen and I came back and I missed the only goal that I could have watched in my life. But what it reminded me of, of watching these men run up and down this field continually is this fatigue, this weariness, this, this, this exertion of all that they had. And it reminded me of life, whether they're being tripped or penalized or kicked in the face of the ball or whatever it was, it reminded me of life. And what's the deal with adding time to a soccer game? Like I think this, this like I'm on the edge of my, Lori and I both were watching this, we're on the edge of our seat, and all of a sudden there's eight more minutes to add to the game. Yeah, we'll give the Bears eight more minutes. We would win a game too, okay? That's all it would take. But it just reminded me of life. Nobody intends for it to happen. You don't plan for it. You don't just find yourself sometimes at a place in life when the the circumstances and the weight and the pressures of life have stockpiled so much that you find yourself exhausted and tired and weary. just happens and the question is what will you do when you experience it if we choose to walk this path of life thinking to ourselves I can do this uh, the, the weariness and the battle fatigue will set in but if we're not careful battle fatigue and weariness will zap us of our hope and our passion and honestly just the enjoyment of life We were not created to make it through this life relying only on our own strength. We were created to go through this life dependent on the strength of the Lord. Where do you draw your strength from? Isaiah was a prophet of God, and he brought a message of hope to God's children who were along uh, this this long road, this tiring road of travel. They had lost their land, and and their lives had been turned upside down. Isaiah was assuring them that even during this weary traveling, they they could expect God's strength and power. He is Elohim after all. But those who hope, some other translations use the word trust or wait, in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. In the Old Testament, the word hope meant to look ahead, imagine this, I want you to think about the word hope for, in your life, but here's what it means, to look ahead eagerly with confident expectation. For a child of God, hope is relational because our hope is in a person of God, he is Elohim. And this passage could be summed up like this. Where there is no hope in Elohim, there is no strength from Elohim. When the waves of life come crashing in, where do you find yourself turning for that hope that I'm talking about? When when you're battle fatigued, where do you draw your strength from? So to live a life of hope means believing the life that God has for you is better than the life that you are currently living. if we learn to find our hope in him, which again means looking ahead with this eager, confident expectation, if, if we do that even when we wanna run or even when we wanna give up or give in or shut down or even turn to the world for comfort and relief, if we hope in the Lord instead, then the verse goes on to say, the Lord will renew your strength. What about you? Are you tired and weary? Tired and weary from working so much and so hard. Tired of taking care of all the stuff that you had. Tired of trying to be perfect all the time. Tired from trying so hard to make a relationship work better. Tired from loneliness. Tired from carrying other people's responsibilities. Weary of trying so hard to make someone in your life happy. Weary of carrying the weight of someone's mental illness and fear of losing them tired from dealing with sickness, tired from raising a difficult child or just parenting in general, tired from the never ending pursuit of happiness, tired of all the pressure and the stress. Sometimes we can even become weary from grieving, especially this time of year. The Christmas season when, when you've lost a loved one and this is the very first Christmas, it's heavy. And I'm so sorry. What does it mean to have renewed strength? Renewed strength means changed. It means to alter, to revive, to flourish again. Maybe we would think of it like a second wind. He will give us a second wind. He will renew us and revive us. If we live this life placing in our hope, In the shallow things of this world, we will experience a shallow well of strength. If we learn to hope in the Lord and live with this eager expectation, we will experience an unlimited reservoir of strength and power. Eagles don't fly, they soar. An eagle has this inborn ability to sense the motion of wind currents. An eagle often won't budge until the right breeze comes along. And when it does, the eagle will just let go. Yes, he flaps his wings for a time, but mostly the eagle just lets go and soars on the wings of the wind almost effortlessly. When you hope in the Lord, your strength will be renewed when your strength is renewed, you will soar like an eagle, the scripture says. Not only will you soar on the wings like eagles, we will be able to run and not grow weary, to walk and not be faint. The last portion of this verse is the then part of the passage. If we hope, then we will. The word weary means to lose the sense of pleasure. Are you weary? Weariness is a fast track to giving up, to give up on a relationship, to break down, to isolate, to collapse under the pressure, to revert back to safety and simplicity. Weariness causes us to lose sight, to get discouraged and depressed, to go through life exhausted. Obviously, there are those times in life when we're faced with seasons that are tiring and exhausting but only for a time. God is Elohim, the source of all strength and power. His reservoir of strength is unending. It is available to anyone who is a child of His. May we find our hope in Him and draw from His strength so we can soar like eagles. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. I don't know if you're familiar with these two verses, if you're not, I would encourage you to jot down the reference or, or take a picture or do something because these are profound verses that I want to close with just by reading them. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. This is Jesus. So here's Jesus on the cross crying out to Elohim. Now this is Jesus saying to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me leave you with Psalm 46.1, this is what it says. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help, in trouble. Friends, turn to him. Turn to him. If you don't know Jesus and you're here this morning, this is available to you. He's inviting you to turn your life over to him, to surrender your life to Christ, to cry out to him for the forgiveness of sin and invite him to be your savior and your Lord that we talked about last week, Adonai. Is that you? Father, thank you for um, this incredible morning. Thank you, Lord, for um, all of the the gifts and the talents that that are being used this morning to glorify your great name. And Father, we have gathered in this place uh, to remember who you are. It isn't about us, it's about you. And this morning, Father, we have been reminded that you are Elohim, the God of all power, the God of all strength. Lord, there are people here this morning that don't know you, that don't know you as their personal savior. Lord, I pray that you would continue to stir in their hearts this morning as we conclude our service. Maybe they would grab somebody and talk to them and ask a question, what does that even mean? How do I know this God, this Elohim, who's all power and strength? And how do I know the strength because I'm in the midst of a storm and I'm weary and I'm battle fatigued and I need hope. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting us here. May we continue to worship you in Jesus' name, amen.